Welcome to Denver Sports Tonight. Taking a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. From your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. DenverSports.com. And it is Denver Sports Tonight on this Tuesday night at the Mile High City. East James Maryland. I'm Will Peterson. Hanging out with you for the next hour. Hope your week is off to a good start. The uh, the Western Conference, James, in the NBA has my attention because it just sort of feels like panic mode around the West. you got the Suns reportedly trading for Beal, but then you've got Ja Morant getting suspended 25 games. You've got Draymond Green opting out. You've got the Lakers getting a year older. And it's just funny to me as we sit here, what, eight days after the Nuggets won the title? We're going to get right into the thick of the NBA offseason like that. And every single team in the West, all they want to do is catch the Nuggets. Well, and the draft is Thursday. Yeah, two nights from tonight. Free agency starts next Friday, essentially, at 4 o'clock. You can, it's their NBA version of the legal tampering period kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be upon us quickly if it's not already here. There's also the reports today that Portland wants to try and acquire BAM to add him to the uh, roster and, and team up with Dame Lillard. You know, you had heard stories that Dame wanted out of there. This is the opposite of, hey, they're going to bring in some reinforcements. He's kind of been up there battling on his own since they traded away C.J. McCollum. Yeah, I mean, good luck with Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, I mean, so, it, it look, it was never going to stand pat. It wasn't going to be. Where everybody just, you know, you can't assume the Lakers, the Warriors, the Suns, those kind of the big three we're just going to come back and be the exact same team they were this year. That wasn't going to happen. Things guys were going to leave. Guys were going to be added. They knew they had to. They had to add some other pieces. There are other interesting dynamics here of Oklahoma City. That's a team that's getting a year more of experience on the up and up for sure. Right? They were a playing team this year. Are they a threat this coming season? No. But is that a team you'd you'd want to catch in a? First round series, no, they'd be a little bit dangerous, right? They almost don't know uh, that the that the cards are stacked against them. There, they're they're too young to know. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting dynamic. It puts the Nuggets in an interesting situation. Do you just say, "Hey, our culture is so good," and we've heard culture, 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 culture for weeks now, and it is. It's a great culture. I do think, by and large, that's the fact that their best player and the best player in the world buys in. Right, And I think it all comes from there. Because how good was their culture a year ago when they were losing to the Warriors in five? When you've got Austin Rivers and Paco Campazzo playing significant minutes, culture only takes you so far. Yeah, at some point that was a talent issue, not a culture issue. So I do think the culture is important. I do think Michael Malone deserves a ton of credit for building that. Because you know what? He's the guy who got the best player to buy in. So he, he gets credit for that. He gets credit and Jokic gets credit. Right? Greg Popovich gets credit and Tim Duncan gets credit. It, it takes both of them. But how much of it is culture and how much of it is, hey, we got to upgrade because if you're the Nuggets, you look at it and say, can we get by next year with an eight-man playoff rotation and Jeff Green being the only big coming off the bench? Is that is that really a viable formula year in, year out? Well, we saw it in Game 5 of the NBA Finals when all of a sudden Michael Mullen had to throw in a guy who hadn't played in two months. And we give DeAndre Jordan a ton of credit because those three minutes in Game 5, he was good. It, it sounds silly, but it, they, they were a good three minutes. They were a good three minutes, but it was that moment of, yeah, this is the Nuggets trying to close out a title, and they have to go so deep into their bench that it would have been nice to have another big that you trusted. Or if, or if Zignaji could have just played 8 to 10 minutes. But you're right, you have to decide, 
okay, do we trust Zeke, Payton, and Vlatko to take that next step, or do we need to add some upgrades in free agency, this and that? And, and I want to get to that. I just think it's funny, James, that the, the NBA season just ended and you got the Suns making a panic trade already. I do think it's a panic trade. I don't think the Suns are any more dangerous right now than they were when the Nuggets played them in the second round. No, because their issue was depth. And now, and now they have three guys who need the basketball in their hand to thrive. And Chris Paul isn't what he was 10 years ago. But they were leading game two when Chris Paul went out. And, you know, I don't think they beat the Nuggets in that series if he plays. I do think it's a different series. I think that game, that series maybe goes seven. And then, you know, with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on the other side, anything can happen in a seventh game. Just like we were talking during the NBA Finals of, like, Man, you can't let the heat hang around because Jimmy Butler can put on the cape for a game and, you you, you know, you, you could have a, a battle on your hands in Game 7. I, I think that the dynamic of Chris Paul with those two scores is a better fit than now you just have three scores. And I heard the guys this morning talking about, yeah, none of them play defense. Kevin Durant actually played pretty good defense in the playoffs against the Nuggets. That guy played both ends of the floor, especially considering how many minutes he had to play and how much of a load he had him on, on him offensively. But there's a reason he didn't shoot the ball very well, because he was expending a lot of energy on the defensive end, too. I think this is a bit of a panic move by the Suns, but I do think it's indicative that everybody's going to be making some sort of move. It's a very fluid situation in the West. Nobody's standing pat. Yeah, it's just kind of like, all right, so the, the, the Phoenix is now thinking – Another scorer who hasn't won squat in his career. No, and plays less and less games seemingly every year. Yeah, is the answer to somehow beating the Nuggets. It's like, no, you lost that series because the last six quarters, the Nuggets kicked your tail in because Devin Booker finally ran out of gas. Yeah. He was Superman through the first four and a half games. And then the second half of game five, the starters put the foot on the throat, and then they went down to Phoenix in game six and embarrassed them. So you didn't lose that because you didn't have Bradley Beal. You lost it because you were trotting... Jock Landle and Landry Shamit out there against the team that eventually went to win on went on to win the title. Well, now they don't even have Landry Shamit. Well, he had of the to deal. go in the trade too. Yeah, so yeah. it's like they have even to, to some extent they have even less depth than they had in that series. And essentially, yeah, you can look at it and say it's Chris Paul for Bradley Beal. Okay, but a, a couple of the pieces that gave them some a little bit of depth are now gone. So. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what they build around those three. Hey, can they can they score? Yeah. Are you going to have to – you're not going to beat them in the way you beat Miami. You're going to have to beat them, you know, putting up 110, 115, 120 points. The good news for the Nuggets is they're, they're better built to do that than they are to try and win the way they beat the Miami Heat, and they were able to do that too. Right. And you mentioned, okay, so let's look at the Nuggets. Tomorrow is a crucial day for Bruce Brown. He's probably almost certainly going to decline his player option. That doesn't mean he can't or won't come back. So we don't want fans to panic when they see Bruce Brown declined his player option. But I, I do wonder, James, if it if you can get Bruce back, let's, let's just play the hypothetical that the, the words at the parade were genuine. Then those seven, those seven, the five starters, Bruce Brown and Christian Brown, where Where is the hole, I guess, would be my question at that point. With those seven, I don't think you have a hole. Yeah, because I saw people last night, oh, they should bring in Chris Paul to, to be the, the backup point guard because there was some chatter that CP3s, they're going to look for a third team in that deal or they're just going to release him. He probably won't play for the Washington Wizards, which at this point in his career it wouldn't make a lot of sense for him to play in Washington. But there was part of me sitting there like, okay, Chris Paul is a backup point guard, sure. And then there was part of me that's just like, no, thank you. 
No. I'll, I'll pass on Chris Paul in a Nuggets uniform and potentially jacking up the chemistry, especially if we're living in the hypothetical that they do find a way to get Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown back. Well, if you look at the additions they made last offseason, right, you knew they were going to have their big four with everybody coming back healthy. And that's Jokic, Murray, MPJ, and AG. That's the big four. And then they brought in guys that were the perfect pieces to be the fifth and sixth guy. KCP and Bruce Brown, perfectly content with that role. You know, if, if you need KCP to go off for 21 in the first quarter against the Lakers, he can do it. Yep. If you need Bruce Brown to have a big game four down in uh, in Miami, he can do it, especially with, what, 10 points in the fourth quarter uh, of that game. They can be that guy, but they don't have to be that guy every single night. The big four are called upon to be that guy every single night. I, I don't think they need to add anything to that those top seven. I do think there are two things, though. One, I mentioned, it's the Jeff Green minutes in the playoffs and the fact that they did get away with being able to go with seven or eight guys. It was only seven once. Mostly it was eight. In all but about two games, there was a game when they had to bring in Reggie Jackson for a minute in the first quarter because they were in foul trouble. And then you mentioned game five against the Heat where DeAndre Jordan had to play three minutes because A.G., I think it was Jeff Green, and then it was Jokic all had two fouls. All foul trouble. So he had to play. And they, they tried Jeff Green on Bam. He got an and one. They tried him the next possession. Bam got another and one. And it was like, we got to stop this right now. Yeah, so you need somebody that can I, – I I do think you need to upgrade the Jeff Green minutes. Well, so you're let, talking about eight. Let's be clear. Jeff Green's an unrestricted free agent. Right. So there's no – we all love Uncle Jeff, and he'll always have his ring. But there's no attachment to Jeff Green. No. There's no reason that Jeff Green um, can't be a nugget next year. But if he is a nugget – is he transitioning into the DeAndre Jordan-ish Smith role where, hey, you're just coming back for the locker room. You're not coming back to play ball. Correct. But I'm just looking at it of what we just watched. If you said, hey, it, it, can you just run it back with that exact same thing? I don't think so. No, you I, need an upgrade at the eighth man. Yeah, exactly. You need an upgrade with the Jeff Green minutes. So yeah. whoever that turns out to be, I do think you need some better options. I mean, it was a little dicey when they would have to go to Reggie or they would have to go to DeAndre Jordan. So, uh, you know, now you're talking your nine and 10th man. And then you also have to look at it. It's, it's almost two different seasons, right? Like, who's your top eight, maybe nine for the playoffs? But you're not going to get through an 82-game season unless you got guys that can play, you know, relatively significant minutes off the bench. Now, I do think they want to see what they have in Zeke Naji, Peyton Watson. You know, there are some guys that can fill those roles. I think Flacco deserves to be in that conversation, too. He would be in the mix. And it's like, okay, because you're not playing Jokic and Murray and those guys 42 minutes. You're playing them 34. No, I don't think Michael Malone has any issue playing Peyton Watson 25 minutes on a Tuesday night in Charlotte. Correct. I don't think he'll he'll struggle with that at all. And then I think depending on sort of how the season is going, and this will be an interesting thing for the Nuggets to have to weigh as the regular season goes along— there are going to be, and I hate it, I can't stand it, but there are going to be load management games. And so it's like, well, who's getting who's getting those games? Who's getting those minutes? So you're almost building a roster of like, here's 10, 11, or 12 that you're spending 82 games figuring out who's my eight. Who's my eight for the playoffs? And I do think that they got themselves into a little trouble because they acquired Thomas Bryant and they acquired Reggie Jackson at the deadline, and they didn't trust them once the playoffs rolled around. I don't think either Thomas or Reggie earned that trust, though. They didn't. I think they got enough minutes that Malone just said, I can't play these They dudes. didn't, but I think the plan, and I think when they made those trades, I don't think that anybody expected that Thomas Bryant wouldn't step foot on the court in the playoffs. No, people certainly would have had him ahead of DeAndre Jordan. 
Yeah. If you had said foul trouble in the NBA Finals, oh, great. Well, we got Thomas Bryant to handle that. If you need that. three minutes in the NBA Finals right. from a big, who's it going to be? They would have expected to be Thomas Bryant. And Reggie Jackson essentially played a minute of, va- of valuable time in the NBA Finals. Yeah, that, he had that half-court shot that almost fell. <laughs> that hit back iron. But he shot with three seconds left. Yeah. He just hadn't been on the court in so long. It, like He was out of sorts for a reason. So it's like... They need somebody else to be in that mix, and you have 82 games to figure out who it's going to be. They had, what, 30 with those guys this year to try and see if they could build some trust, and it just didn't pan out. They got a little fortunate by being able to be that thin. You talked about, hey, the problem with the Suns was depth. Well, Nuggets didn't have any depth either. They were playing no. seven, eight guys, and they got away with it because their starters well, well, were able to stay out of foul trouble. Depth. They had enough depth. I mean, Christian Brown won him a game in the NBA he Finals. Did. Bruce Brown won him a game in the NBA Finals. Or, or both helped win him a game. They, they were big factors. In games three and game four, those two guys were huge off the bench. Yeah. Um, Jeff Green had moments where he had a, you know, big three or a dunk or a block or something like that. But he was, you need, you certainly need to upgrade that. I, I, I just don't think you can get through an entire playoff run. They were fortunate they went 16-4. and four. If some of those series go longer, yeah. are you going to be able to do it with eight guys? I do think they need to add some depth. Well, let's go to this report. Uh, Jake Shapiro wrote about it at denversports.com that the Nuggets are actively looking to trade back into the first round of Thursday night's draft. You and I aren't going to sit here and talk names. It's not the NFL. It's not household names that people know from college football as much. But let's talk why. Why would they be wanting to get back into that first round, uh, actively shopping to get back into that first round? Is it a backup point guard? Is it a big? Is it a wing? Is it something else? Calvin Booth's proven to be a very savvy and smart GM. And if he's really keen on getting back into the 20s, he's got a position in mind that he wants. I guarantee it. Yeah, my guess would be backup point guard. A little bit of insurance, depending on how things go with Bruce Brown. Because if Bruce Brown leaves, well, now you got a hole there. Now you got to figure something out. And that that's where that Chris Paul chatter came in that I was just like, eh, I'm good. Uh, so I, I think that would be it. I, it. It surprises me, though, because, and this is going to sound funny, because they just struck gold with a pick in the 20s with Christian Brown, who played minutes, important minutes throughout the playoffs, and, as you mentioned, was a vital contributor in Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Correct. But what are the odds of that happening again, Will? We we just went through a playoffs where Christian Brown was like the only rookie playing for any any team, especially as you went deeper. So what's the odds the Nuggets, the defending champs, are going to have that happen again where you're going to get to next year and you're going to get big minutes out of a guy or key minutes out of a guy who was drafted in the 20s. Doesn't happen often. Right. So the fact that you're going to do it twice in a row, yeah. I, I just don't buy it. So it seems a little odd to me that they want to trade up and get into the first round for a guy that's – how many important minutes is a rookie going to play for the defending champs? Probably not many. Right. It's, it's not often you see rookies play – it's, again, why Christian Brown was an anomaly. It's it's not often you see that in the NBA. So that's what's weird about that report to me. I'm not saying they, they won't try to do it, and it'll be fascinating on Thursday to see, A, if they do, and B, if they do, who do they take? Who do they have their eye on? I, I, I guess I just look at it, too, of like a point guard to me could come in and play earlier. We saw Christian Brown. He's playing guard. He's not a point guard, but he's a guard. Quicker than a big. Bones came in and played as a and rookie. played. Yeah. Big men take a little longer to develop, both physically and as their and you know just in terms of their game. I just don't see a rookie coming in and being Jokic's backup in the playoffs. 
No, that's that's hard to envision. That seems like a stretch. That one's tricky to see. All right, well, we'll, we'll keep you posted, certainly, uh, with the draft just 48 hours away. I, I can't believe it. I mean, can you imagine if the NFL draft was nine days after the Super Bowl? That, that would feel kind of weird. It, you is, know? it is strange. It's it's right around the corner. But Summer League starts in July. Yeah. You know, so they got to they gotta get things rolling pretty quick. They just don't have an offseason. Okay, but I do want to kind of go through now and sort of play – contender or pretender in the West with okay. with which of these teams, as we start to see, we, we open the show talking about what the Suns did and the Draymond situation and Ja uh, in the Lakers. But let's let's just go through it. We'll just go through it by seeding. Obviously, the Nuggets are contenders. Everyone's chasing them. But the two-seed Memphis Grizzlies, contender or pretender, Ja Morant just got suspended 25 games. Well, the quirky thing is the last two years, they've been almost as good, if not better, with Ja out. He missed a lot of time with suspensions and with injuries. But they've done nothing in the playoffs, nothing. So I'm going to say I'm going to say pretender. It feels that way to me too. And as we get this exercise going, I think you'll be curious to see there may just not be that many contenders in the West. The Sacramento Kings, the the darlings of the NBA last year, a great story. Uh, go to seven with the Warriors. It takes Steph going superhuman in Game Seven to to finally close them out. But not a lot of household names, contenders or pretenders. I think they're a contender. I think they're kind of the Nuggets in about 2019. Like, Sabonis is a good player. Fox is a really good player. Just because they don't have household names, well, you know what? If you were doing a radio show in Boston in 2019, the Nuggets didn't have a lot of household names either. Did you see that viral clip of like four or five, no, even longer, six years ago, the Boston radio host talking about Jokic? No. So the Celtics had the number three overall pick, and I guess there had been some report that they could get it for Nikola Jokic. And he's go, who the heck is this Jokic? Like, they couldn't say his name, yeah. and it just sort of had that went viral kind of thing of, in retrospect, if the Celtics could have traded the number three overall pick for Nikola Jokic, they would have done it in a heartbeat. But I'm giving credence to your point of, yeah, the Kings don't have household names, but that's not to say three years from now, the Nuggets and Kings, maybe not even three, two years from now, may have an epic Western Conference Finals that go seven games. Yeah, I don't think they're necessarily a title contender this coming season, but I like the foundation they've built, and I think they're going about it. If you're in Sacramento, you have to build a team exactly like the Nuggets did, right? Like, you, you got to do it organically. You're not attracting free agents to Sacramento. I think that's a team that in the coming years, that's a that's a contender if everybody stays healthy and if they add their, you know, KCP and Bruce Brown to the mix. The Phoenix Suns were the four seed a season ago. Obviously, we started the show talking about their reported addition of Bradley Beal. Uh, I lean more towards pretender because, James, I think this has dysfunction written all over it. I think this has unhappy superstars. And guess what? Durant's time in Golden State didn't necessarily end well. His time in Brooklyn with Kyrie and Harden was a disaster I'm not so sure Durant can play on the super team unless he's winning the finals MVP. I see what you're saying, but boy, those two guys, we watched the Nuggets play six times in the playoffs are pretty darn good. Five of those games were pretty close games. And again, if Chris Paul hadn't gotten hurt in game two, who knows what would have happened. I'm going to say contender for the Suns. Do I think they're better than the Nuggets now? Like a lot of people are saying, no, not, no. I do not. But I, they're a contender. Would it shock me if they came out of the West next year? No, it wouldn't. Wouldn't shock me. It's still a yeah, star-driven it's, it's a lot of talent on paper. It is. I just, man, they're going to have to get creative to make that roster around them better. There's still only one basketball. Exactly. And that was their downfall 
uh, against the Nuggets that they just didn't have anyone else who could really do squat for them. Uh, the Clippers were a five seed to me. It's like, how many times do we have to go through the song and dance of, ooh, if Kawhi and Paul George are healthy, they're going to be great because in the playoffs last year, Paul George played zero games and Kawhi played two. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pretender there. Uh, they they got to show me something, and, and they look good on paper, and it, the paper never gets onto the court, at least when you talk about Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and now you had Bradley Beal, but the, the two big stars that were already there in Phoenix, if they look good on paper, they also went out and played well in that Nuggets series. They did. They didn't have enough help. So I see what Phoenix is doing saying, well, if you throw Bradley Beal in that series, what would the difference have been? Yeah. I don't know. Clippers are a pretender. No, uh, yeah, uh, that's a that's an easy one to make. All right, so we're four into this. You've got one contender and three pretenders. Uh, I've got, well, I, know I gave you the, I, t- I took the Kings and the Suns. So I I've, know, got, but we're I've doing got three it, out of five. We're doing it for next year, though. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, they, they wouldn't be an easy out in the play. You in the can picture the Sacramento Kings playing in the NBA Finals. Yeah, I could. I can't. They, I just, they, I took just, the, they took the Warriors to seven. They did, and Steph went bananas to win game seven. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you know. I, I think they're a legitimate team. I think people are sleeping on them the same way the rest of America slept on the Nuggets. All right, how about the Golden State Warriors? That's a that's a massive question mark because you've got Jordan Poole falling off a cliff in the playoffs. You've got Draymond Green declining his player option, and you've got this new GM, Mike Dunleavy Jr., saying we want him back. Well, guess what? Draymond's got no loyalty to Mike Dunleavy Jr. because the dude who just built the dynasty for 10 years just walked out the door. I think this is the beginning of the end of the Golden State Warriors right before our eyes. The Warriors were the team I feared the most in the West for the Nuggets. If Draymond leaves, I think they become a pretender. If Draymond comes back, and Steve Kerr's still coaching that team, and Klay Thompson's still there, and Steph Curry's still there, and Andrew Wiggins is still there, and they kick Jordan Poole to the curb. Yeah, yeah. I think Jordan Poole becomes their bone Thailand, right? Like, I think a talented guy and a player that certainly can score in this league, but there's where culture does matter, and I think culture caught up to the – Warriors this year, if Draymond returns, I, until that core is just decrepit and can't play, it, look, they've won too many games, and won, this was the first time that Steve Kerr's got to the playoffs and not made it to the NBA Finals. Insane That's sad. a crazy run. I'm going to still give them the respect that a multiple-time champion deserves and say they're a contender. All right, we'll go rapid fire through these last few, the, the L.A. Lakers. No, they're a pretender. I think they are, too. Uh, they're a pretender. Come on. That was a two-man band. And they beat a Memphis team that was dysfunction with right. the Dylan Brooks thing. And then they beat a Warriors team that was kind of dysfunction. We're, we're hearing these stories after the fact that they all didn't like each other because the Draymond Poole thing was so uncomfortable. Yeah, then the Nuggets made quick work of them. I, we don't know what the Lakers are going to look like, but what they are right now, yeah, that's a pretender. And then after that, you've got the Wolves, you've got pretender. the Pelicans. Pretender. I mean, the Zion thing, he's a disaster. Yeah, that's that's a mess. He's he's going to approach Greg Oden territory if he's not careful. Yeah, Oklahoma City, not they're, a, not a contender this year. They're your guys. Man, you got a first-team all-star on that, a first-team all-NBA guy on that roster. You got the number one overall pick from a year ago that didn't play a single game. That is a great young roster. And I feel like they've got 20 first-round picks in the next five years. It does feel that way. And it, that, that number isn't that far off, actually. All right, it was a fun exercise. I think my point is the Big Bad West doesn't feel as scary as the Big Bad West felt. And that's easy for us to say sitting here today coming off an NBA title. But it just feels like something would have to go wrong injury-wise for the Nuggets to not win the West next year. I look at the West, and I look at it the same as I did heading into the postseason this year. The biggest threat to the Nuggets is the Warriors. They know how to win. 
Doesn't mean they're going to win every series every year, but they know how to win. The second biggest threat is a Phoenix team that's thrown together with a bunch of talent, but does it mesh well? And then it's the Lakers because they have LeBron and they get every call. That's well, you, what it is. Well, you have the Lakers as a pretender and the Kings as a contender. So, All right, so flip-flop those. The Kings are a team. Don't, just all I'm saying with the Kings is don't sleep on them. We got all Twitter-pated because everybody was sleeping on the Nuggets. We can't do the same thing to another team that's a pretty darn good basketball team. <laughs> all right, fair enough. We have tons of Nuggets coverage at denversports.com if you want to check out everything from today, including Jokic back in Serbia and Michael Malone's sweet new tattoo. But, James, we really? are. Really? We think it's a sweet new tattoo? The coach got a tattoo after winning a title. That's kind of cool. Where was Betsy's tattoo? How many tattoos did Mike Shanahan get? It's a good way to relate to everyone. That you're, you're making my point for me. All right. I think I think it's fun. Sorry you're the tattoo police over there. I'm just... some point, the boss needs to be the boss. Coming up on the other side, though, we will get over to the Broncos because Russell Wilson, well, he couldn't help himself. He did make some news over the weekend. Unlimited. Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. I ain't happy, I'm feeling glad I got sunshine. In a bag, I'm useless, but not for long the future. Ah, Russell Wilson. I ain't happy, I'm feeling glad. Uh, still the most polarizing man in Denver, is that fair? Yeah, I mean, he is. Look, the two... Most maligned guys in recent Broncos history have a lot of pressure on them to perform this year. One's a player, one's a coach. Russell Wilson and VJ. I mean, in the last five years, have there been two people more maligned than those two in Denver? Mm, I don't think Nathaniel Hackett could creep into I don't that like the preseason. Maybe Vic Fangio. Fangio could creep into that. The VJ stuff, though, was I mean, by the time it got to Hackett. He's the third bad coach in a row. VJ's coming off. He inherited a Super Bowl. Right. Two years after a Super Bowl. And he still had Aqib Tlaib and Derek Wolf right. and Chris Harris Jr. And so people were, I mean, he inherited a team that went 9-7 and seven with Trevor Simeon. People were still had high expectations, and they were fired up when he was struggling. By the time Hackett was bad, it just became comical. Yeah. But you asked in Denver. I mean, if we really want to go down that road, I could, could throw you a Dick Monfort bone. No, no, I'm just saying Broncos. Oh, Valeri- last five years of the Broncos. Valerian Nachushkin, Bones Highland. Okay, okay. Last five years of the Broncos, most maligned people. Yeah, it's, it's Russell some, Wilson's it's, at the top of the it's, list. It's some combo of the three QBs that got fired in Russell Wilson. Yeah. Or yeah, three yeah. coaches that got fired in Russell You know, Wilson. I don't even think you put Paxton in there because, you know, he became a cartoon at some point, too. And so those two guys have a lot of pressure on him. Russell Wilson, ton of pressure on him this year. And VJ, if this defense takes a step backward... It's going to be, why on earth did they bring back VJ? And why the heck did Ejero Evero get let let out of town? Right. Because we all know he was trying to be loyal to Hackett, whatever. You know what could have fixed that? The bottom line. And they have no problems on the bottom line. And Evero, to me, looks like a rising star. And I will not be surprised at all if that defense out, out in Carolina is good this year. I would agree. And so if, they, if, if the Carolina defense is good and the Broncos defense takes a step backward, there's going to be a lot of questions of why did you let Ejero Evero leave and why did you bring back Fair or not fair, why did you bring back a guy who was a disaster when he was here as a head coach not that long ago? That's yeah, a lot of pressure. I would have liked them to keep Evero. I really did like VJ's answer last week, though. He, he got a lot of brownie points with me last week. If he said, I have no hard feelings because I didn't win, and that's why I got fired and it wasn't personal, I was sitting there watching going, 
VJ, that's the better answer than you gave as your two years as head coach. Mr. We had a good week of practice. Like, that was a better press conference than he had in his two years as head coach. And probably that's what some more media training will do for him as a head coach in Denver than four years in Arizona and yeah, now here. And just the experience of it. And, you know, I, I think most people who covered the team when VJ was here have said, hey, I think VJ will be a better head coach the second time around. I think he learned from sort of the situation he walked in here, right, where he didn't have any power and he's finding out at a press conference after practice that T.J. Ward got released. And, you know, John had more say than he probably should have had and all the rest of those things. Like, V.J. had some things to learn and, you know, often like the rest of us, you learn the hard way. And I'm with you. I thought he had a great answer last week. I thought the first time we got to hear from him since he's come back, he hit it out of the park. Yep. And, and and there's a guy who oftentimes did not have good press conferences. So you can say, well, Mark Sanchez won press conferences all the time, too. I get it. But VJ used to lose press conferences. He was really good last week. But that doesn't mean he's not under pressure because he's not he's not a name nobody knew before they hired him and is going to get the benefit of the doubt. There's going to be none for him and there's going to be none for Russell Wilson. All right, let's talk about Russ. 12.29 p.m. on Saturday. Yes. We, we get it. A yes. hype video. Yes. All my life, hashtag restoration season, season S-Z-N. And it's him lifting weights and holding a football and skating around like he's a hockey player. And it's just classic Russ. Like, look how hard I'm working. I work harder than everyone else. There's a lot to unpack here, James, because we heard the anonymous donor sing from Sean Payton. This is not being an anonymous donor. We know this was two days after mandatory minicamp wrapped up, and he doesn't have to see Sean Payton for six weeks. So, you know, maybe he's jonesing for it. Like, oh, I got I to get one. You know, I got to yeah. get something posted. Yeah. Uh, the hashtag restoration season. Just a lot to unpack here. How do we feel about Russ doing the thing that he did every single day last offseason that we all got sick of? And he'd been so good for months and months, and he did it again. Yeah, look, if, if you look back at last offseason when I remember sitting in front of this very microphone and saying, the se- training camp needs to start. I, I have Russell Wilson fatigue, and he's never put on a Broncos uniform where anybody could really go down and see him. Like, it's got to start. We're nowhere near that this year. No. So it's been it's been night and day. And if he wants to go to the Nuggets game with his family, who cares? It's yeah. not it's not his fault that they put him on TV when he's in the first row. Right. It's right. just he's taking it he's making memories with his family and if if he he's not there to be seen. I, I truly believe he was there to support the Nuggets. Yeah, he was he was being a part of the thing that we were all wanting to be a part of. Exactly. I, I don't I mean I probably would have been more upset if he didn't bother to go to a game. So um I have no issue with that. I do think and and Look, I'm pro Russ. I'm on team Russ. I think he's going to have a great year. I really do. So I am kind of coming up with rules here to fit my narrative. I'll just admit that right out of the gate. I think the six weeks between mandatory minicamp and the start of training camp is kind of the only part where it's like, as a player, you can go do whatever you want to do. Don't go get in trouble. Don't get arrested. Don't go put on 40 pounds. But it's kind of your time. It's the one time a year where it is truly your time so if you want to post a video of, hey, two days after work being done, you're work, still working out, I don't have an issue with that. I, it, That's right. I don't think the anonymous donors thing meant nobody can be on social media ever again for anything. I think that's a little bit of a ridiculous ask. So I, I think this is fine. I think the restoration season tells you his head is exactly where you want his head to be. Of, oh, yeah, I heard everybody last year. And you know what? I was lousy last year. And I need to go restore my image, restore my career, restore my reputation. 
and in the process, I'm going to shut a lot of people up. Awesome. I think that's exactly where you want him to be. You want Russell Wilson with a chip on his shoulder? That's a good thing. That is a very good thing heading into the year. I heard Zach By talk about today the definition of restore is literally bring back, right? So this restoration season is kind of like he wants to bring back who he was because for as, as many conversations as we've had that Russ lives in Russ's world, Russ is also starting to get this, James. That like this dude's legacy as an NFL quarterback is on the line. Yeah, this he has a surefire ticket to Canton is on the line. Everything we know about Russell Wilson from his ten years in Seattle sort of hinges on this year on how he will be remembered ten, twenty, thirty, forty years from now. If he comes back this year and throws for four thousand yards, thirty-one touchdowns, and eleven picks, and the Broncos go eleven and six. Last year is going to be the aberration. Last year is going to be Nathaniel Hackett didn't know what he was doing. Last year is going to be, hey, you know what? You thought you needed to become this. You bit off more than you can chew. You went back to what made you great, and you were great again. Everything's going to be fine. If he struggles this year, it's going to start turning into, man, Pete Carroll really covered for that guy. Pete Carroll made Russell Wilson appear better than he was because he couldn't get it done with Nathaniel Hackett. He couldn't get it done with Sean Payton. I, I think I think that what Russ was in Seattle was a bit of a mirage. That's what the narrative will be if he has another bad year. It is on the line for him. It's legacy. That's not Completely. too strong a word to use of of what is on the line for him in this this video that he's posted on social media. Yeah, I don't love it, but you know what I do love, James? It looks twenty pounds skinnier. I yeah. love that part. Yeah, you know, like it's it's not him eating dinner in Italy. It's him working, and the work is is abundantly obvious when you look at his body. Yeah. He looks like Russell Wilson did during the majority of his years in Seattle. Not like the guy we saw last year. No, and we all know that dude who always tells you he's going to the gym. And then he looks the exact same. And then we all know that dude who doesn't tell you he's going to the gym. And you look at him one day, you go, you look good, man. You lost a lot of weight. You've been working out. Yeah. That's sort of what Russ is doing now outside of this one video. Well, and last year, those of us who wanted to bring up of like, man, this guy's gallivanting all over the globe. I was one of the people saying it and took a lot of grief of like, he can go do whatever he wants. He's working out when he's there. He found a soccer team that would let him use a facility. Yeah. You know what? If you're traveling all over, you can go use the gym at the hotel, but you ain't getting the same workout that you get when you go to your home gym every day at 6 a.m. You know your exact routine. You know where everything is. You know the exact weight you do on everything and how many minutes you do on this and all the rest of it. It's just not the same. And he had six, eight weeks of that, it felt like, last year. Because even during training camp and stuff, he was still going off to New York to go to the the U.S. Open and all the rest of those kind of things. To say that this post makes it that he's doing the same thing he did last year, I think is a huge stretch, huge stretch. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I I never I never said that or implied that. I'm just saying when he did this on Saturday, it sort of lit social media buzz. It did. And of like, here goes Russ again. Here's the other thing I liked when you compare this to a lot of what he was doing last year. There was not a video he did last year that made me roll my eyes more than the one of him walking on the practice field in London. And he's got his Bose headphones, and he's got his sunglasses. And when I pointed that one out, people were like, he's... What's your problem? It's sunny out. He's got to walk. It's like, no, it's all about promoting his products as opposed to what he's there for, which is to get ready for a football game. And then there's got to be somebody that's out on the field who he has to give those things to before he can practice. It's just the production of it. It's the ordeal of it. It's the where are your priorities of it. He's not pushing any products in this. 
He's just working out. He's working. All right, cool. Well, I do like it, and I'm glad we're on the same page for it. Let's, you know, let's not get one of these every three days, but one every once in a while is okay. My my antennas are up. Yeah. But I'm not upset yet. Coming up on the other side, Mike and Mark this morning. Well, they did something interesting that's got a lot of people upset. They maybe had the Nuggets' biggest hater on these airwaves. Station 104.3 The Fan presents Denver Sports Tonight. Been a fun show. RamosLaw.com. Text line 303-713-1043. If you want to get in here uh, these last few minutes, James Marilat, Will Peterson will be with you. James, I want to talk about Mike and Mark having Nick Wright on because that has gotten a lot of reaction today. But briefly, briefly... We do have to give a shout-out. Denver man, Titletown, Wyndham Clark takes the U.S. Open. Uh, apparently, we just keep winning here in the great state of Denver. Yeah, he Great wins. state of Denver. Great state of Colorado. Great city of Denver. Nuggets win. Abs win. Do you want a title? All that's happened within, like, the last 450 days. East Hockey won a national championship. I mean, it's crazy. It really is. It's a great time to be a Colorado sports fan. Prime gets hired up at CU, which they have yet to play a game, but... I mean, the attention that's been paid to Colorado football is more than it's been in the last 15 years combined. So, yeah, man, it's uh, it, it, Sean Payton comes to Denver. It is a uh, fantastic time to be a Colorado sports fan unless you are a baseball fan. Yeah, shout out to Wyndham, who uh, was in the same class with Christian McCaffrey over at Valor Christian. Whew, tough to beat those two. Yeah, and they were, they were good buddies. Reunions are going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, there are going to be a lot of people clamoring to those. Yeah. Pulling the, those two going to be here or not? When you go to the reunion, it will be, uh, all right, we're going to give out an award for the third most successful member of our graduating class because yeah. we know the first two. That's pretty cool. Um, let's talk, though, about Mike and Mark having Nick right on this morning. Was he the biggest villain of the national media for the Nuggets? You had Mark Jackson. You had Chris Mannix. You had Lisa Salters. You had Dan Patrick. Which was... Was Nick Wright number one, do you think, that ticked Nuggets fans off the most? Because based on what I saw today on social media, looks like number one to me. I don't know if he w- it would have been number one for me. Kendrick Perkins was number one. Yeah, that's a, uh, another one I forgot. Kendrick Perkins stole the MVP from Nicole Yost. He did. And then at least he came around, though, with saying he's the best player in the world. Like, well, boy, you're singing a different tune than you were two months ago. So I, I think, you know, Nick Wright drives you crazy. And he says things that you're just like, oh, my gosh. And his refusal to admit when he's wrong is annoying. But it didn't have any impact on anything. It didn't. It's just a guy that's, you know, talking and saying things about your team that you don't like. Kendrick Perkins actually impacted the MVP vote. So that moves him to number one on my list. But, yeah, Nick Nick Wright was up there for sure. He got under everybody's skin. It is just interesting, too, that with Nick Wright coming on today – and I'll let people read about it at DenverSports.com. They can go listen to the podcast at DenverSports.com. He did a lot of, well, of course I was wrong about that, but I was right about this. And I was wrong about that, but I was right about this. And it was like, man, that's just a dude who just can't admit that he picked against the Nuggets in every game of the Lakers series. He was on the Miami Heat bandwagon. He said Nicole Jokic was the worst MVP since 1973. I can't even remember the dude's name, the guy from the Celtics. Like, just just go all in that you were wrong. We don't need this this hedge that you were wrong. And that's that's where the interview struck a chord with me that it was a little little tough for Nick to 
to explain himself today without still trying to say, well, but I was sort of right about this. It's like, dude, you had, you could not have whiffed more on the Denver Nuggets and Nicole Jokic. No, he couldn't have. And, and at some point, you just have to admit you were wrong, right? Like, I've been called Denver's Skip Bayless, Denver's Nick Wright, all these things because of my Michael Malone stance. I stand by what my opinion was at the time when I said it. And unlike Nick Wright, who I think roots against Denver teams, I'm rooting for Denver teams, and my opinions came from, hey, from a good place of like, hey, I want this team to win. I don't want this team to waste Nikola Jokic's prime, Jamal Murray's prime, MPJ's prime, and I think this is the biggest reason that they might waste it. But when you get evidence that you were wrong, when things change, to just refuse to say, hey, now I've seen Michael Malone win an NBA title. He's a better coach than I thought he was. Hey, I've seen Jared Bednar win a Stanley Cup. He is a guy that can get his team out of the second round. When you were worried about it, saying, well, they can't get over the hump. They've had the best team in hockey for three years and can't get out of the second round. Maybe it's the coach. Hey, you've had the best player in basketball for three years, and you were 1-8 and your last nine playoff games. Maybe it's the head coach. Those were reasonable things to say. They just turned out to be wrong. And when you find out they're wrong, to refuse to admit they were wrong, it's just like, okay. I mean, it's kind of classic 2023, though, right? Everybody just digs in their heels. They're entrenched in their position. No matter what evidence is put in front of them, yeah. they're just going to ignore it and act like it, it doesn't happen. I think that is a that that is a big problem of nobody that is in the opinion business is going to bat a 1,000. No. You're just not going to. And when you miss, and you sometimes you miss big, you just got to own it and say, hey, I'm glad I was I'm wrong. I'm an idiot. Take a sign to the parade. You right. Know? Yeah. Right. Have a little fun. Well, it's like, hey, if you're going to end up on freezing cold takes, take it as a badge <laughs> of honor. Uh, Nick started the interview today by saying, so we're not talking about that new Russell Wilson workout video because last time I was public enemy number one in Denver was for accurately saying you've got a wash quarterback. So he just he had to come on and just take his victory lap against Denver to start. So. Well, and, and you know what? It, to me, all the Russell Wilson bashers. What's the guy that runs in the green suit? Freeze, flash, the freeze. freeze in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. How many times do you see a fan thinking they've got it won and they start pumping their arms and they got it beat and then he blows by them, they trip on the dirt and go face first? That's what all the people taking early victory laps on Russell Wilson are going to do. All right. On, that, on that cheery note, we're getting out of here. For Ty, for James, I'm Will. It's Denver Sports Tonight on The Fan.